Well, it's true. I thoroughly enjoy uh, passing on my love of music to kids. Um, I do teach piano to a few small, select few on one day a week, so please don't all reach out to me at once, no. But <laughs> it is a joy to me. It is a joy to be able to pass on a love of music. And when I teach those lessons, they all have kind of the same format. There is a technique that I need to cover with my students. And there is a lesson book song that we do, which introduces usually a new skill. And then there's a fun book song that reinforces that skill, right? And then we often will have a theory page, oh, the dreaded theory page, you know, you've got to actually get your pencil out and do the work there. But then there's also the super fun, can't wait to get to Disney book song, okay? It's a song that's popular, that they know, that they recognize immediately, and they can't wait to play that song, usually. Well, the following week, they come back to me, and they're supposed to have practiced, and they're supposed to basically be able to go on to the next sections. Well, if you were to guess, which song do you think they have nailed down? Yeah, the Disney, the popular song, the one that they love, right? The one that comes naturally to them because they can hear it, the one that they like, the one that they can sing along to, the one that's their favorite. But then I often will say, okay, well, what about your lesson book song? And it's kind of like eyes are shifting, you know, kind of shoulders wiggling. Oh, um, I think I practiced that like one time, you know, and I'm going, ooh, you know, you have to practice the things that you don't like as much. What about the other things, the theory? Oh, yeah, I, w I was going to get to that, but, you know, it's like I never did. So I have to encourage them to do the things that they like, the things that they naturally tend towards, and then also the ones, you know, that they don't quite want to do or maybe don't fit their personality. Well, we may be tempted to look at uh, the list of commands and different expectations for Christians in Scripture and view it sort of the same way. You know, immediately select some of the ones that we naturally tend to do. It's part of our personality, or we really like that one. Yeah, I like doing that command. That one works well into my life. But we can't neglect some of the ones that maybe we aren't naturally gifted in or gravitate towards or not maybe something that we've always done. We have to make sure that we do all of the things that God has for us in his word, because that's what the Bible is, his word to us, a way that we can love and follow and worship him as we obey his word. So today we're actually going to look at one of the necessary Christian virtues that may be overlooked in your life or may not be. We're going to see how necessary it is for faithful Christians to be hospitable and generous to those whom we may not even know. Well, if you haven't turned in your Bibles yet to 3 John, verse 5, please follow me along as I read this passage. We are in 3 John, and we're diving into our next section as we're coming to a close from all that we're learning from John to us. Let's read verse 5 and follow along if you would. Beloved, it's, it says, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. 
for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support these uh, people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Well, as John turns from his introduction last week, he now shifts and affectionately encourages Gaius to press on in the things he's already doing and to be a welcoming, inviting, hospitable Christian. And we're going to start there as we have things to learn from Gaius' example too. So let's write this down for point number one. You and I, we need to welcome other believers. We need to be welcoming and inviting and welcome other believers into our lives and homes. Well, I saw some unwelcome, uninvited guests on the street corner the other day as I was going out to have a walk early in the morning. I look to the side and I see two ducks on the sidewalk. And if they were chickens, I would have thought, well, maybe they're trying to cross the road. <laughs> you're awake. Okay, good. You're awake. No, but these two ducks were on the side of the road. And I thought, how strange. You know, what are you doing here? There's, there's no pond. There's no water source. You're just standing there staring at me. And well, I found out that these ducks are going into pools. Okay. They are setting up camp they are making themselves at home in pools, and they are causing problems. They are not invited, right? They are not welcome because they're leaving what ducks leave behind around the pools and dirt and noise and extra chemicals. I mean, it's, it's causing a problem, a major problem for pool owners. Well, think about if you're a pool owner, how you would view those ducks, right? Maybe you own a pool and you know the struggle. And let me contrast that with if you're a pool owner and maybe a grandma in here, and you have your grandchildren over to swim in your pool, all right, I know grandmas, well, at least the ones in my life, and I know that there would be special snacks set out, right? Lots of treats. And I know there'd be sunscreen and maybe brand new pool toys. I know that grandma having their grandkids over would maybe buy um, something special to float on, right, in the pool, something cute and special. You know what? Grandma might even heat the pool, which costs quite a bit of money to do so. I mean, you're going to go above and beyond to make it as comfortable, as inviting, as friendly as possible to your grandkids because you want them to come back. You want them to enjoy themselves, right? Well, this is the same sort of attitude, friendliness, inviting you know, inviting attitude, inviting home that we need to have in our own lives as we welcome other believers. And we see Gaius gives us that example in our text. Look at verse five. It says, beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers. And what an interesting little phrase here. Strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. Last week, we see Gaius was commended for walking in the truth. Do you remember that? Yes. And this week now, we see in our passage that he is commended for his love before the church, both truth and love in his life. But who is this directed to? Strangers as they are, it says. There are people that have come to Gaius prior and have received a welcoming hospitable environment, have come into his home and he's taken care of them. And they have gone back to the church and they've reported on this. 
wow, I mean, he was so generous with his things. He invited us in. He let us stay. And that report has gone out through the church. But also, the strangers as they are, there's a set of strangers on his doorstep right now. The man, Demetrius, who you'll learn more about, is there, and he's actually the one carrying the letter of 3 John, and he's at his doorstep. You know, knock, knock, the door opens, total stranger, hands him over a letter. And this letter really introduced Gaius to Demetrius, kind of said, hey, uh, this guy here, you should really have him in your home. You should really welcome him in. But really, Demetrius is just a letter carrier, and he's with a few other people that are traveling, doing Christian work, as we're going to see. He's not the pastor. He's not the top guy. And Gaius doesn't know him personally yet. Even though these brothers were strangers, we see this godly man, Gaius, welcome them into his home. As one commentator put it, his Philadelphia, which is his love of the brothers, love for the brothers, is combined with his philozenia, which is his love of strangers. We see that in Hebrews 13, 1 and 2, which says, let your brotherly love continue, let your Philadelphia, love for the Christians, continue, and do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, your philozenia, your love of strangers, people you don't know. Well, a way to describe Gaius is to use the term hospitable. Gaius was a hospitable man. In the ancient world, hospitality would be defined differently than what we may think of hospitality. Because at least when I say hospitality, this is what I think of. I think of, I need to have some friends and family over for dinner. That's like the thing. And then maybe they're going to spend the night. And now I've been hospitable. That's kind of the, the picture that comes to my mind and maybe yours. But It was different back in the ancient world. Hospitality really was the process of an outsider or a stranger, as we would say, becoming a guest and even becoming a friend. So that process, that love of strangers, a love of strangers where someone that we don't know becomes a guest, becomes a friend. And this was important because when people were traveling in the ancient world, the inns were a dangerous place to to stay. You didn't want to roll up and just go to the inn or the hotel there. You know, that wasn't a a safe, reliable spot to be. So they often relied on other Christians to take them in when they were traveling from town to town. And so they might arrive because they have a mutual friend. They, you know, oh, I know this brother, he lives in this city. Knock on his door and he'll let you stay. And so a knock would, would come to their door, sometimes with an accompanying letter like we see here with Demetrius. And basically that kind of introduces the two people and that Christian is supposed to just have them right into their home. Well, guests who had received this hospitality, they then went back to their congregations and they would share. As we see here, they would testify of the love of their host or we're gonna see next week, they would testify of unlove or unwelcome or you know, a wrong sort of say or rejection. But we see these people speak of Gaius's hospitality and warmth. He was expected to show hospitality to strangers, people that he didn't know. And you know what? We are as well. And likely not in the same way. I don't think you're going to have someone knock on your door tonight with a letter in hand, someone you've never met, and they're going to say, 
Can I spend the night? You know, that would be quite a shock in our technological world. But I do think it's worth thinking through how we can implement this same idea as a love of strangers, especially because unfriendliness is a common criticism of churches. Unfriendliness, unwelcomeness. Are you a welcoming person? Is hospitality a regular practice in your own life? These are worth thinking through. And I know that right now, or maybe as I'm speaking, you might be thinking about some, some reasons why this is difficult, you know, reasons why you may be mm, not quite doing this right now in your life. And I want to bring up some of those things because they came to my mind as well. The first one would be that, uh, you know, I might hear it's just really not in my personality, Bethany. It clearly isn't your personality. You know, you seem like an extrovert and all of that, and that's true. It is in my personality naturally. It's be one of the things that I tend towards. I could have people in my home every night probably. But even if it's not in our personalities, right, I know many people in my life, the introverts or the people who this is not their favorite thing to do, that have worked hard to obey this command because they want to honor God and they want to have a love of strangers. Well, secondly, we might think, you know what? You have to do this, Bethany, because you're married to a pastor. It's true. I do. It's in the list of qualifications and elders in the Bible. When you're married to a pastor, there's that list of things that a pastor should be, and hospitality is one of them. But think about Gaius. Gaius was not a pastor. Gaius was not an elder in a church. He was a church member. And he still had a love for strangers. He was still hospitable, even though it wasn't technically on his list of to-dos, as we might think a pastor's is. But we also see all around the Bible the same command in Romans 12, 13. Romans 12, 13 says, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. So this is for all Christians. We also may think, you know, I really just don't have adequate resources to do this. Um, I, you know, my house isn't big enough or compared to her, you know, she's got such a great setup, such a great yard, or she has a big house. Why don't I let her do the hospitality? You know, and I have lived in a 300 square foot place and a 3,500 square foot place in Indiana. And, you know, it, it doesn't say that we have to have a certain amount of square feet or certain amount of items in our home, right? But that we need to use what we have in order to love and serve others. Because I don't know if Gaius had shiplap on his walls or succulents hanging from, you know, the corners of the house or if he knew that the color of the year was bright yellow and so he put some pillows out. I don't, I don't think so. I think what Gaius did was use what God had given him in order to love strangers in his home. We also may say, you know, it's just not the right time. It's not the right season of life for me. You know, it's something I'm going to get to later. And what I would say in thinking through that concept, I would say, if I came to you and I said, you know what, I'm just not reading my Bible right now. It's not the right season for me. It's not the right time. It's something I want to get to later. I hope as a Christian sister, you'd say, get to it. 
Don't wait. Start today. Let me help you. Get, get in there. You need to be in God's word. And so we need to see that even if it's not the right time or it doesn't feel like the right time, we're waiting for things to kind of shift and change, we still need to be faithful to follow God's commands to us. You may be surprised at how many people, even within this church, feel lonely. They feel like the strangers. They feel like they're on the outside, even if they've been here for a while or if they're new. And they would love an invitation from you to get to know you and to get to know your family. Well, besides some of these reasons, I know that our cultural landscape right now with COVID and the pandemic has made things potentially even more difficult. And so we're going to talk a few ways later on in our next point about how we can still implement this. But even when times are tricky or tough or not perfect, God wants us to work to implement his commands and this command to show hospitality like our guy, Gaius, who is such a good example of a love of strangers, we need to work at that in the ways that we can. So I have a couple broad ideas, and we'll get more specific in point two. The first is that we can have a warm countenance, something we can do to apply this welcoming of other believers, this welcoming and inviting just personality and attitude. We need to make sure our faces show that we are welcoming, that we are open to meet new people, we have a smile on our face when we're walking around, that goes a long way. The second thing is when we meet someone new, that we would have words that are welcoming, words that show interest even in a new person in our life. You know, something that goes beyond just my name and what's your name, but where's your family? From? Where do you live? What school do you? I mean, those questions where we're really diving into their lives to get to know them. And thirdly, I think we can pray regularly, especially when we know we're going to be around potentially new Christians in our neighborhood or on the side of the soccer field or at church. Pray to have eyes to see. I know that when I say, God, show me someone new, Show me someone new at Compass who looks lost, right? It's like they don't know where to take their kids. They don't know where to... Show me them. Have, have eyes to see that I might step in and help them and meet them and, and welcome them into this place. Well, there's another element that John stresses in his letter to Gaius. He not only commends him for his welcoming attitude, but he also encourages him to be generous with the things that he has. And that's where we're going to go for point two. Point two says, share your stuff with Christians. You and I, we need to be willing to share the things that we have with Christians. Back in our passage, in 3 John 5 and 6, let me read it for you. It says this, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. Then it says this, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. And that phrase, send them on their journey or send them on their way, really refers to provide them with supplies. Give them stuff. Give them what they need to go out and continue on their journey. So not only is Gaius supposed to house them, and let them use his food and water and cause crumbs to be on the ground to sweep up later and his towels and his water, I mean, all the things. But when he sends them on their way, 
he's supposed to provide them with supplies. You know, pack up a kind bar and some fruit for their backpacks so when he's, they're traveling, they have a snack. <laughs> it says this in Titus 3.13. Do your best, as Paul is talking to Titus, do your best to speed Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their way and then see that they lack nothing. Send them on their way and make sure they don't lack anything. Provide whatever they might need on their journey. Well, there are so many examples throughout Scripture of sharing what you have with strangers even. We can think about Jesus being housed. We can think about his disciples going out and people taking them in. But I want to turn you to an Old Testament example that really stood out to me in my study. If you would turn over to Genesis 24. Genesis 24, we're going to look at an example of hospitality in a familiar story, possibly to you, one that I've read many times, and I never really saw this interaction here that jumped out at me. So Genesis 24. Let me give you some context and tell you what's happening here. Abraham is looking for a wife for his son Isaac. And so if you remember, he sends his servant back to his own people and says, find a wife. And he gives them these set of instructions. And so the servant is there at the well, and this is where we meet Rebecca. And so the servant shares all the things from his master, and Rebecca responds by saying, come, come to my house. We'll provide food for your animals. We'll, we'll give you a place to stay. Total strangers, never met before, just that moment. And that's her response. But then she goes back and tells Laban. And Laban says this in verse 31, Genesis 24, 31 and 32. And I love this. He says, come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? I've said that to my neighbors when they knock on the door. Why do you stand? Come on in. Come into the home. Why do you stand outside? And he says, I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man took... Uh, so the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels, so providing everything he needs for the, the animals, and there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Come into my home. I will give you what you need for you and your men. Come on in. I mean, what a generous, generous offer of the stuff that he had to a total and complete stranger. Alexander Strzok, in his book, Leading with Love, says this of hospitality. Hardly anything is more characteristic of Christian love than hospitality. Through it, we share the things we value most, our family, our home, our financial resources, our food, our privacy, and our time. In other words, we share our lives. How are you at sharing your stuff, the stuff that God has given you? You know, your car, your home, your couch, your food. How are you in sharing those things? Even as I say the word your over and over, I have to interrupt my own self and say, it's not really your stuff though, right? We know that as Christians that every good and perfect gift comes from above. The reason we have the money in the bank, the jobs that we have, the things that we have is because God has blessed us so generously and we are 
managers and stewards of that, of the stuff that God has given us? How are you at being generous and giving that to other people and to sharing that with others? Because we don't want to be stingy or unwilling to share. The word stingy means close-fisted. And it makes me think about a saying that I have in my household, and I say a lot to my children, and it reminds my own heart. You know, we often will have 20 adults and 30 kids over, and it's, you know, a lot of fun. And a lot is going on, and a lot of toys are out, and a lot of crumbs are made. And as we're preparing for that, I see the fists starting to close on some of my children. And I say to them, people are more important than things. Right? aren't they? And they kind of shake their heads, you know. I know that you might not want to share the trampoline or the backyard toys, or you're worried they might get broken, or you're worried about all the cleanup afterwards, but loving people, isn't that more important than things? Don't we want to have our hands open, and not only open with what we have, but our hands out to other people, just generous and willing to give? Well, I want to provide you with some practical suggestions on how we can do this both inside the home and outside the home. So I want to break it apart into kind of two categories, and I'm sure the list goes on of things that you can and maybe are already doing, but I want to encourage you to apply this even this week. The first one in your home, I'm sorry, out of your home ideas, not in your home, out of your home ideas, is to get a sitter or maybe swap with another family committed to hospitality so that you can take someone out who's new, that you can get to know a new person, a stranger, right? Not the pastors, not necessarily the leaders, but I'm talking about the letter carriers like Demetrius, the people that are in the church that you don't know. Take them out and pick their favorite restaurant. Ask them questions about their lives. Bring them a note, a gift. Make sure that you invest in them and get to know them. The second thing we could do is to share a meal at a park or an outdoor space if needed, right? Maybe there's little ones around and so you want to pick a, let's pick some food up and go to a park, right? Maybe you already do this with your friends, but what about those people you don't know? What about that new girl in your women's Bible study group or that new person that just joined your, you know, kind of your thrive group or you're a bi group? What about those people? You know, take them to a park and and maybe you're bringing something along already for your own children to keep them busy in the restaurant, that special bin of toys or that thing that you pull out when you're there. But you also bring something for their kids too, right? As a way to be generous. Thirdly, a note of welcome and a treat goes a long way. Who doesn't like a treat? Who doesn't like a note dropped off at your door or a note arrived in the mail, right? That's one way we can be generous and something that shows that we're thinking of other people, that we want to reach out to them, we want to get to know them better, we want to connect with them. Those are a few just out-of-the-home ideas that we can implement right away. But what about in the home, too? Because we see Gaius doing so much of this ministry inside his home. So here's a few ideas. The first one is 
so key and so important, at least for me, I need to make a list and start scheduling. If your life is anything like my life, I may be motivated and encouraged to do this, but if I don't start with a list of people and begin texting or emailing or finding dates, it may not happen, right? We can have that desire to do the right thing, and yet if we don't have a plan, it stops right there. And we don't want to forget about the widows or the letter carriers, or the people that we don't know as we're really focusing on those strangers, those people that we don't know yet. The second thing would be to buy one item a month to help you in your hospitality. Is there one purchase that you could do this month and a different one next month that aids you in having people in your home? Do you need more serving platters? Do you need more silverware? Do you need that outdoor umbrella for more shade? What can you do to purchase so that hospitality is easier and you're better prepared when it happens? The third thing would be to keep a yummy item on hand, okay? Right, because we don't, we're not only talking about a full course meal dinner that you made from scratch, right? Every time you have someone over. This can be for coffee. This could be just in your home just to chat while the kids play. But keep something yummy on hand, you know, maybe just those break-apart cookie dough or a treat that you can easily set out that doesn't stress you out, but that you have ready to go so that you can be generous even on the last-minute sort of thing. And let me just say, let's receive the invitations too, right? It may be easier to say, uh, let's meet at a restaurant, you know, because I really... I like to pick out my own food, or uh, I don't really want to go into your home. I'm not sure, like, how long it will be in my time. Let's say yes to the invitations, too. Even though we have to give up some of maybe our preferences or uh, give up some of our time to do so, let's make sure that we're people that are saying yes to that coffee date or that dinner in people's homes. The fourth thing in your own home would be to organize it better. Okay, Organizing your home better for the purpose of hospitality will probably benefit you in a lot of areas as well, but this would be key in having people over because honestly, it used to stress me out to have people over a little bit when I was less organized because there's just four little bodies in my home and two big bodies, I guess, and we have a lot of stuff and toys and things are out and especially with the schooling at home this year, it's like Chromebooks and cords and everywhere, right? Right? If you can organize your home better in advance, maybe just buy a bin or a few bins that everything is just kind of going real quick and you close it and voila, the room is clean, right? What can you do so that before you even have someone over, you feel less stress, less franticness because you're more organized? Because by doing something proactive will help you implement this verse, which is 1 Peter 4, 9. 1 Peter 4, 9, and I might have said this already, but I want to highlight one part of it. It says, show hospitality to one another, that direct just command for us, and then these two important words, without grumbling. I know that if I'm more prepared in advance, I'm going to grumble less about getting ready and be less stressed out by having people over. And I want to say all of this comes with the, the thought of doing what you can to love others, right? 
We can only love people to the extent that they're willing to receive that love, especially right now with different comfort levels with what's going on in our in the pandemic and all of that, right? What is someone's comfort level? We, we need to be sensitive to that. And if you invite someone over and you can see that's not in their comfort level, well, have a backup. Ask to go on a walk outside. Have a different plan, a, you know, a park or an outdoor space. Because we, we do need to see that there are going to be different comfort levels in receiving this sort of hospitality right now. The pandemic may make it more difficult to do this, but it doesn't make it impossible to implement this. It makes me think about the Christians in Rome who are being persecuted, oppressed. They weren't liking the government or what the rules that were on there, what all the things that were going on. But yet, in Romans, we find the verse Romans 12, 13, which says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Seek to show it. Do what you can to love others, even when circumstances like today might not be ideal. Well, our passage continues with uh, more ways for us to apply this Christian love to others, and specifically in regards to how we can be generous towards those who are doing Christian work the work of the gospel. And so that's where we're going to go for point number three. If you would write this down, you and I, we need to give generously to Christian work. Give generously to Christian work. If we look back in our passage in 3 John, we see this in verse 7 and 8. It says this, For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. And I think there's three compelling reasons why we need to be generous in supporting those who are doing Christian work, like Demetrius was. The first reason is that they are going out for the sake of the name, for the sake of the name, and that refers to the name of Jesus Christ. Not everyone, as we learned about in 2 John, and we'll learn about next week, is sticking to the truth of the gospel or motivated by the gospel. But these men were going out for the sake of the, the name with the right motivation to serve Christ and not to promote themselves. We need to honor men working on behalf of Christ. The second reason we see in this passage here is that they accepted nothing from the Gentiles. These men doing Christian work, traveling around, sharing the gospel with others, serving people in the churches, they weren't accepting money just from anyone. They weren't out there to beg, and this was a common thing. You know, you might go out in the name of a certain God and say, give me money for that God I'm doing, you know, you'll be blessed if you do so. Because if you got money from someone, you know, there was almost a you were bound to them, maybe to pay them back, or you were just connected with them. They weren't going out just trying to get money from anyone. They were relying on other believers to support them in this work. First Corinthians 9, 1 Corinthians 9, 1 through 18, makes it very clear that Christian ministers and missionaries have a right to be supported by the people who benefit 
from their service. And really, I'm going to hone in on verse 14, but you could go back and look at all of those verses. 1 Corinthians 9, 14 says this, In the same way the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. They should make their living by the gospel, by the work that they do for the Lord. Galatians 6, 6, Galatians 6, 6 says the same sort of message. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Ought to support in our passage means we are bound. There's a sense of responsibility to support these men And I I think there's a lot of charities and clubs and causes that we could support, but we see that we are ought to support. There's a responsibility for us to support those who are doing Christian work first and foremost. Well, the third reason we need to be generous to those doing the work of the ministry is that we would become fellow workers in the truth. Do you want to share the gospel? Do you want to be out there telling people the hope that we can have in Jesus Christ? Would you love to travel around the world and do so? Maybe you do have that desire or maybe you don't. But you know what? When we partner with people who are doing that, we become fellow workers in the truth. I love that. By the way that I partner up with someone church planting or a missionary that's halfway around the world sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, I'm a co-worker. I'm a partner with them. I mean, I even think about if you, and I know some of you in this room, prayed for this sermon, for this message, any of the fruit of what is done in anyone's life as a result, you, as praying for me, are a co-worker. You've partnered up with me. You're a co-laborer. You're a fellow worker for the truth. And that is so encouraging because not all of us are called to be pastors or church planters or missionaries, but as we support them, as we're generous to their work, we become partners with them in their efforts and in their successes and in the salvation and sanctification that results from that work. Well, I think that these three reasons are powerful and compelling for us and help us maybe to think through, how am I supporting Christian work? How do I already do that? And is there something I need to adjust in the way that I give in order to better support Christian work? And you may think, of, you know, we're just talking finances here, and we're not. Of course, that is one implication. Finances, how are you giving to the church so that you can support the people who are doing Christian work that ought to make a living by it? But beyond that, other Christian ministries, CBI, Focal Point, those people that are going out on behalf of the gospel, the short-term missions trip that may come up, how can we financially support, but also how can we in our energy support those doing Christian work? Even just the ministries here as we serve. When we serve here at the church, we're using our time and our energy, what we have, what God's given us, to team up with others to do Christian work. 
What's your serving like? If you're serving, keep at it. Keep teaming up with those around you for the sake of the gospel. But maybe you have yet to join a service place, a place where you can serve regularly. And that would be one way to team up with those who are doing work, the work of the gospel. Maybe prayerfully is one area to also consider about how we can team up. I mean, do you know the missionaries that our church supports? And maybe you should just add a slide deck to your prayer app, right? Or a a list of names so that you can regularly pray for the missionaries. What about the pastors and their wives? Thank you, right? What about the pastors? Are we praying for those people too? What about the church plants in HB and Tustin and Idaho and the one that's coming up? What about those? We can go to God on behalf of those people and team up with them in their efforts. I mean, you could pull out your phone right now, and I wouldn't be offended if you said, I'm going to add some alarms on my phone. On Mondays, I'm going to pray for, you know, the missionaries. And on Tuesdays, I'm going to remember to pray for HB, our church plant. And on Wednesday, you know, what if just a simple alarm that reminds you, yes, God, I want to team up with them in my prayers on their behalf. Well, I'm so thankful for the timing of this passage as we think about launching Compass Hill Country, right? You have to say, you can't say it like Hill Country. You have to say like Hill Country, which I'm not good at it, but we'll just listen to Hayden when he does it, right? Because he, he loves that part, right? All the y'alls and stuff. But I just love how, how much this connects with even his preaching this weekend and our church plant specifically, which we're going to launch very soon. Can we pray for Pastor Hayden and Kayla and the team that is moving out there for the work of the gospel? I've actually been given a list of names that's going to go up on the screen. And these are names that I asked if I could share with you. And your women's Bible study leaders have a contact email for each of these people that are picking up from everything that they know, everything that's comfortable, the home that they have, the friends that they have, the familiarity of living here, and they are moving. And why are they moving? To do Christian work, to get out and share the gospel in the hill country and to see people come to know Christ and to serve and follow him. Can we team up with them Maybe you recognize some of these names and you just are reminded to be praying for them, to reach out to them even. I have moved 11 times in 14 years and it is a huge blessing if someone wants to ever take my children so I can box up the stuff, right? Or bring a meal that night because I'm boxing, I'm organizing, I'm getting rid of stuff. Could you reach out to some of those families and offer that? Or just have them over in your home before they leave to encourage them, to give them a little respite from all that they're doing in order to move. But not only the people that maybe you do recognize, but is there someone out there, maybe as a women's Bible study group, that you could say, you know what, I don't know them. They're strangers to me, but I want to implement this text. Let's let's email them and offer help. Let's let them know we're praying for them the next three months or let's see what they might need by way of an encouragement and a support. I mean, Pastor Hayden is fired up at the thought that we might come alongside them as they go to plant a church 
And remember, most of these people up there, they are the letter carriers, right? They're not the pastors. They're not the leaders. They are people in the congregation, people like you that are out there serving, that want to follow the Lord. And so we, we want to reach out to those that we don't know who are following God's plan and support them as we can. Well, I got an Apple Watch for Christmas, as you can see, and I, I love it, okay? I didn't know that I would. One reason I love it is because I can never find my phone, and I just love the ping, you know, ping, 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 you know, and my, one of my kids is just like, it's in here, mom, you know? It's like, I don't know where my phone is, I, so I love that. But I think I love it more for those rings of fire. Do you know what I'm talking about? I love the fire rings. If you don't know what I'm talking about, what you can do is you can set exercise goals, right? And if you, it, it tracks everything somehow, and then it shows you whether you've completed your goals or not. And I mean, I'll tell you, I look at that thing, and it will even send me messages. You know, uh, looks like you haven't really been moving today you know, get going. And I'm like, oh yeah, I haven't done anything, right? Or get up, get moving. I love seeing that ring of fire close. Yes. And then the second one, oh yeah. And then I got to get all three, you know, I'm like running in place at the end of the night. You know what I mean? Like let's close those rings because it's motivating to me to exercise and to be healthy. I hope that this passage and Gaius's example is motivating to you. I hope that you see that this is something that we can do as a way to apply all that we've learned in the Johns, the letters of John, right? The truth and the love, the combo of that in our own lives and in our own homes, just that we would be welcoming and friendly, that we would be hospitable to those, even the strangers that we don't know, that we would be willing to get to know new people, to invite them in, the people on the outskirts, that we may show love to those people as well, and that we would team up with people who are doing the work of the ministry. Because I want a reputation like Gaius, don't you? I want to be known as a person that they are testifying of my love and my truth in the way that I love others. You can have that reputation as you seek to apply these things today because you love and honor God and you want to obey his word. Let's pray. God, I do thank you so much for this passage and the many other places in scripture that teach us about loving the people that are not in our inner circle, the people beyond our family and our close friends, God. I pray that we would have eyes to see the, the lonely, the, the new, the, the Christian that doesn't have that tight-knit friendship yet, and that we would be willing to reach out in love to them. God, bless us as we do so. Encourage us as we do so. Help us to be motivated to follow these commands and to be a Gaius in our church. God, we're thankful for your word, and we're thankful that you will supply us with what we need to do this, God. I pray today that there would be great conversations. 
I pray that we would follow up with these hill country families and reach out and encourage and support them as we can, God. Thank you so much for the timing of this passage and the way you're going to work in and through us. We, we thank you and we honor you for that, God. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen.